Well, good morning again. So good to worship with you, to see all of you on this nice winter day we've got going on. And before we jump into the message, I just want to say a sincere thank you to our church council because I was so honored to receive this great parking spot. You know, I've only been here for four months, but, you know, to have dedicated parking in the sanctuary is kind of next level. So thank you for that. (laughs) So I have some statistics I'd like to share with you. Did you know 80% of churches in America are either plateaued or are dying? And 3,500 churches per year close their doors for good. The average church in the United States has under 75 people in it and sees less than one person come to faith per year. Meanwhile, as you've probably read in a lot of different articles and maybe even seen on the news, the amount of people in our country that identify with no religion, no religious belief, is growing by the year exponentially. And so on a given weekend, like the one we're a part of right now, less than 20% of the American population is in worship, the lowest point in history. And... 59% of millennials who were raised in the church, okay, 59% of millennials raised in the church have dropped out at this point. You see, church, we are living in a mission field. You know, oftentimes we think if we want to do a mission trip, we've got to buy a plane ticket, get your passport ready, and you have to fly halfway around the world. And we believe in that. We think that's an important thing to do. But we are living in a mission field. Your neighborhood, our communities, your workplace, your schools. It's a mission field. And we're all commissioned to be missionaries. Now, a few years ago, my wife Lexi and I went over to Korea on a trip. My sister was living there for a couple years. We got to tour around. It was an awesome time. When we were in Seoul, we went to the largest church in the world, 800,000 members at the time. So we went to the service, and they had these special balconies for visitors, and we got earphones that would have a translation of what was going on. And it was a very typical Christian worship service, and it went through the message time, and then probably the best part of the service happened, this cute little Korean kids choir came out. And they sang, Lord, I lift your name on high in English with very thick Korean accents. And it was awesome. But it was preparing a prayer time because then about 25 adults came on stage and they were surrounded by church leaders who prayed over them. And we couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And then suddenly we figured it out. You see, they were commissioning these people to be missionaries to America. Did you know America is considered to be the third biggest mission field in the world? And so many nations who once were evangelized by our ancestors are now sending missionaries back to us. You see, when we hear these statistics and when we see the trends around us, I think that it has to break our heart. I think when we hear these things, it should be unacceptable to us as followers of Jesus. We can't be content with the status quo. 
And in fact, I think when we hear these things and we understand what's at stake, we need to be willing to change our thinking and to change our priorities and to even change our practices as the church. Because continuing to do the exact same thing year after year and expecting different results, well, you know what that's the definition of, right? Insanity. You see, Jesus gave very clear instructions to us. The last thing that he told his followers before ascending into heaven, he laid out a commission. He laid out the mission, and it was for his early disciples, and it's still for us today. Now, many of you have these words memorized. It's in Matthew chapter 28, and Jesus turns to his followers, and he's still telling us today, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Don't sit back. Don't be content to watch the trend line go off the cliff. Go and make disciples. We don't get some exemption because of where we live or because of our neighborhood or because there's lots of Lutherans around us. Go and make disciples of every street, every neighborhood, every community, and every nation. Now, I love the way that we put it here at Calvary. Our mission here at Calvary is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Straight out of Matthew 28. This is what Calvary is all about. When this church was planted in 1946, this was the heart behind what this place is all about. And for over 70 years, thousands and thousands of people have been reached with the gospel around the world because of the ministry here. You see, we were planted on this corner to make a difference in this community. And many, many people, including many here today, have been reached with the gospel. And that's what it's all about. But you know, things in our culture have changed since 1946. And our world has certainly changed. But our mission hasn't changed one bit. The mission is still the same to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. But I think if we want to fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us, if we want to be faithful to what he wants us to do, we have to be willing to shift. We can't stay in neutral, and we certainly can't put it in reverse and go backwards. Instead, we need to shift our minds and our hearts and our practices and our actions and our attitudes. Because what worked 70 years ago, what worked 25 years ago, what worked even five years ago, might not work today. Now, there's something about being a Christian that I've observed and I've experienced. And maybe you've experienced this too. But I think when we become Christians, it's very easy for us to start to coast. It's very easy to get comfortable and to kind of get in a rut. You know, we get a general schedule, you know, go to church Sunday morning or Thursday night, maybe go out for brunch afterwards, maybe join a group if, if it fits my schedule, maybe I'll go to a Bible study once in a while. But it's really easy to get in that rut, to get in that pattern, and actually to sit back and to coast. And we look around at the rest of our culture, and people show up at church for milestone events still. 
you know, maybe a baptism, maybe a confirmation, maybe a wedding or a funeral. And a lot of times we figure, well, that's kind of all it is. It's, it's a place to come for those big events. Maybe come once in a while to feel a little better about myself, to hear some good news. And then I'll just go on with my week. It's easy to coast. It's easy to get comfortable. And when we do decide to grow once in a while, if we decide to stretch ourselves or maybe take on a challenge, then we kind of give ourselves more credit than we probably should. You know, we figure, well, maybe God owes me something now. I mean, I'm, I'm more committed than most people. I mean, think about a typical Sunday. You come and show up at a service, and we hear unbelievable music like we just heard, and it stirs something in us. You know, there's kind of an emotional response, and we're like, yeah, that's what it's about. You know, it's, I'm feeling spiritual today. And then it comes to the message time, and you kind of tune in and out, and you maybe hear one or two things. I'm very realistic. I understand how it is. But maybe there's something one, once in a while that kind of convicts us. Like we're like, hmm, that's good. Oh, that kind of stings a little bit. And we think about that, you know, like, yeah, something moved within me, another emotional response. And, you know, now I'm going to head home and, you know, it was a good point today. I must have really accomplished something. And you know what often happens? We just go into Monday without really changing anything. Meanwhile, we think, well, at least I showed up. 80% of the country is not even in church, so God should give me a couple gold stars. You know, I was there, talked to some people. I had a few emotional stirrings. I mean, that's pretty good. The problem is nothing's changed, and we just continue to coast. And oftentimes we think, you know, I don't really need to grow anymore. I'm doing pretty well compared to my neighbors. Now, there's another thing that happens the longer we're in a church. And again, see, I grew up in the church. I'm a PK, pastor's kid, fourth-generation pastor. So I was surrounded with this stuff. And I've noticed the longer that I'm in church and the longer others are in church, the more entitlement we often get. Because what do we call it when we're a part of a church? We, we call it membership, right? Whenever I hear the word member, I always think about when I was in junior high and I was a caddy at the North Oaks Country Club. Because we always talked about, hey, that one's a member. We have to treat them differently. You know, we have to serve them. It makes me think of, there was a credit card commercial many years ago where the tagline was, membership has its privileges. You remember that? And oftentimes, that's the way we approach the church. We think, well, if I'm a member, it's here to serve me. I should get my way, and, you know, don't make me too uncomfortable. It's my church. I should have it the way I want it. There's a huge problem with this. There's a huge problem when we're not willing to grow and to stretch and to change. Well, the first thing is our faith isn't growing. It's a huge problem. But number two The world is perishing all around us without knowing the good news of Jesus. And that's tragic. Well, the Apostle Paul, he had a completely different perspective on this. He had a completely different perspective on what faith should look like and a completely different perspective on what it would look like to be the member or a partner in a church. You see, Paul believed that following Jesus is a growing experience. Following Jesus is always a growing experience. If we're not growing, we should really be questioning the status of our faith. And the thing about the Christian faith is you can't outgrow it. Like you don't get to some 401 level class or you get your PhD or whatever and you're done and you're good to go. 
No, every single one of us is called to grow each and every day of our life. You can't outgrow the Christian faith. There's always another step to take. Discipleship is a lifelong process. There's no ACT test that you can go take and then be done with it. There's no amount of years you can put in, and then it's like, all right, you hit the pinnacle, sit back and relax. There's no minimum amount of milestones that you can hit and then say you're done. As followers of Jesus, we are called to grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. And the thing is, this never happens by accident, and it never happens by just sitting back and coasting. So Paul, this guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, if we had a Mount Rushmore of apostles, he'd be the first guy we would put on it. Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, he starts to talk about his desire to become more and more like Jesus. In fact, he wants to become exactly like Jesus. He wants Jesus to be living in and through him. And then he goes on and he says something really interesting to describe this process. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already achieved perfection. I mean, this is a guy who is like rock star evangelist. He reached thousands of people around the world, wrote so much of the New Testament. He could say, hey, I'm better than all of you people out there. I mean, get your act together. But even he is saying, I haven't achieved it. He says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Again, if anybody could say they have achieved anything, it would be Paul. But he says, I haven't achieved it. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Again, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You see, from Paul's perspective, he is a follower in progress. He hasn't graduated. He's not at the top of the game. Instead, every day, he's putting his faith in Christ, and he's taking another step forward. He equates it to running a race. When you're running a race, it's one foot in front of the other. And he says that you don't finish the race till you go to be with God in heaven. Now, after describing this journey of faith that Paul is on, I love what he says in verse 15. He says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Right? This is for every one of us. You don't somehow opt out or qualify out. Every one of us is to be growing in our faith. Every one of us is a follower in progress. But then he says, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Like, if you don't believe me, God's going to show up and show you are wrong. It's a great way to make your argument, right? He's a little confident at this point. How are you growing in your faith? Following Jesus is a growing experience. Are you pressing on? Are you growing day by day? Are you taking another step? Because you see, every single person here today, no matter who you are, no matter what your story is, there is another step of faith that you can take today. Remember, Jesus has already taken care of our sin and guilt and shame on the cross, and he's done away with it. And he's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to gift us, to empower us, so that we can live for him. And our response is our growth. We respond to his gift of grace 
by continuing to grow in him. Now, there are so many wonderful ways that you can grow in your faith here at Calvary. I mean, from our excellent worship experiences that you're a part of today, to our Bible classes we have every Sunday morning at 9 and 1030, to small groups that meet all throughout the week, and to tons of different ways to serve. If you're not serving, we've got a place for you to serve. And all of these things can help us to step out in faith and to continue to grow. And if you need a place to plug in, if you need to get connected, please do not hesitate to get in touch with us. We'd love to help you out. Because the thing is, church, we don't just want you in a chair on Sunday morning or Thursday night. We want you on a path towards spiritual growth. We are all called to be like Paul, to be followers in progress. But you might ask, well, what does it look like to keep growing in faith? What does this spiritual growth thing actually look like? And we could go on and on about this, but one thing I want you to remember and to know is that spiritual growth, growing in Christ, is so much more than just head knowledge. All right, it's now nothing wrong with study and learning and all those things. But growth goes a step further, where our head knowledge, all that we learn, moves 18 inches down to our heart. Because you see, when our heart is changed, when we grow within our heart, it's then that we live it out in our daily life. For example, when I was in seminary, we had some brilliant professors. In fact, some of them know more about the Bible than I will ever ever know. They could read the Bible in the original languages, no translation needed. But the thing is, there were some professors with all of that knowledge who had no personal faith at all. You see, they had no heart knowledge. It was all in their head. And you see, what Jesus is calling us to do is to take what we learn, take the knowledge that we have, and let it affect our heart. To let him change who we are. To let him live in and through us so that we live it out in our daily life. Now, I love an illustration I heard from Francis Chan one time. So imagine my kids come, and I've got a job for them. I say, okay, kids, it's time. Go and clean your rooms. And so they leave for a little bit, and a little bit later they come back, and they say, hey, Dad, we memorized what you said. Go and clean your rooms. And I'd be like, wow, that's amazing, but why don't you go back and actually clean your rooms? They go away for a while, and then they come back, and they say, hey, Dad, we learned how to say, go clean your room in Greek. Again, I'd be like, that's amazing. I mean, I don't even know if I could do that, but you're missing the point. Go and actually clean your room. If they go away for a while, and then they come back, and they say, hey, Dad, we called our friends, and we're going to meet weekly, and we're going to gather with our friends, and we're going to talk about what it might look like if we were to clean our rooms. I'd be like, you've got to be kidding me, right? Like, go and actually clean your room. This isn't that hard. But why do we so often treat Jesus like that? We know what he says, but we so rarely do it. I mean, it was Jesus himself who once said, why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? Luke chapter 6. There's another time he said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, Jesus was clear about what we are supposed to be about. 
He said, go and make disciples. Not just stay comfortable in your own little box. He says, you should serve instead of seeking to be served. And he said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And so growing in faith looks like sacrifice. It looks like putting others first. It looks like not prioritizing our own priorities and our own wants and desires. And it always, always looks like serving. You see, growing in Christ is really a process. It's a lifelong process. It's a process of transformation where we are made and molded into the people that God intends for us to be. So I've got a little diagram I'd like to share with you, and you'll quite right away learn I'm not a great drawer, so we'll give this a shot. So maybe you've seen this picture before. That's you. Like, can you tell? The thing is, because of sin, we are separated from God. In fact, sin is kind of like a canyon, and we can't bridge that gap on our own. There is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. I mean, you can take a running jump, and it's not going to go well. But God, in his incredible grace and mercy, he found a solution to our sin problem. And he gave us the greatest gift that's ever been given, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life and then sacrificed his life on a cross. And by dying on the cross and rising again, he paid the penalty for your sins and mine. And that cross becomes a bridge where we can cross over into a relationship, a right relationship with God. Now this cross, we can call the cross of salvation. There's no other name by which we'll be saved other than Jesus. What a powerful name it is. We receive salvation through Christ's death and resurrection. Now when we cross over, when we become followers of Jesus, we become new. The Bible says we are a new creation. We have a new identity. We're adopted into God's family. We are made new in him. And at that point, hopefully we start a growth process. Now, if you've ever met somebody who's new to the faith, they have a hunger to know God more and to dive into the scriptures and to keep on growing. And so oftentimes we see that enthusiasm but then those of us who have been a part of the church, who have known Jesus our whole life, oftentimes we lose that enthusiasm. But initially, there's this drive to keep growing and to eventually become a friend of Jesus, to start to put what he teaches into practice. Now the thing is, many of us get stuck at this point. We figure, all right, you know, I've made some progress, made some changes, doing better than most people. So I'm going to just kind of camp out here. It's comfortable. I like it. I've got my Christian bubble. But you know what? God says that's not where we're supposed to stop. In fact, there's another cross that's talked about in the New Testament.
And this is the cross of sacrifice. Galatians 2.20. Remember, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, which sounds really uncomfortable, right? Sounds painful. But he says, take up your cross if you want to follow me. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Right? He wants to do a big work within us where our own self is put to death, and he lives within us, and it changes everything. It totally transforms the way that we live. And when we get past that cross of sacrifice, it's then that we are Christ-centered. Now, what does it look like to be Christ-centered, to have him living within us? Well, it means our whole priorities and our outlook is changed. And what we're focused on is people who don't yet know him. Our focus goes from our own wants and desires and preferences, and it focuses on all those who are lost without him. But that takes sacrifice. It means prioritizing other people. It means serving instead of trying to be served. And really what happens is going from an attitude of it's all about me to instead being all about my neighbor. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about my neighbor who doesn't know Jesus yet. And it turns everything on its head. See, this is what Jesus wants to do in each one of us. This is the kind of church that he wants to make us into. A church that's willing to sacrifice in order to reach people for him. I mean, we can put on a great service. We can get together with our friends. We can feel really good about ourselves when we leave. We've got a beautiful building. But if we're not reaching people for Christ, then we're wasting our time. The thing is, this is a huge struggle for every one of us. But we can't keep doing things the way we've always done them. Because Jesus doesn't give us that option. His instructions are so clear. We have a mission. And that's what we need to be about. Now, I'm going to probably step on some toes here. So buckle up and give me some grace. <clears throat> and this happens at every church. Again, I've been in churches my entire life. So it's not unique to here, but I've definitely experienced it here. When you meet a church person, they often add something to their introduction. Have you ever noticed this? They say, you know, I'm Joe Smith, and I've been a member here since 1972. And you meet somebody else, and, well, I'm Fred, and I've been a member since 1963. And then somebody else comes along, well, I've been a member since 1958. Now, there's, of course, some interest in this. You know, it's history and commitment and all those good things. But oftentimes, it's also an implication. It's implying, well, I should get my way. You know, I've been here longer than those people. So my opinion should matter more. I should have my preferences above anyone else's. But you know what? 
that's not what Jesus models for us or calls us to. In fact, the longer we have been members, the longer we have been a part of the body of Christ, the more that is expected from us, the more we should be willing to sacrifice in order to reach others, the more willing we should be to go back to the beginning and disciple others. As we grow, we learn it's more blessed to serve than to be served. And in fact, Jesus says the way to find your life is to lose it, not to always get your way. And when we keep growing in Christ, we become so passionate about reaching people for Jesus that we will do anything short of sin to reach them with the gospel. Now, I remember the, one of the last sermons I heard my grandfather preach years ago. Some of you maybe used to listen to him on Lutheran Vespers radio show. So we were down at, in Mesa, Arizona, visiting him and my grandma. And on Sundays, he would preach at his RV park. But it was a big service. It was like 800 people there. And so my siblings and I were sitting in the front row. My grandpa got up, and he didn't really have his booming voice anymore. He was not doing great at the end of his life. But he was still passionate about the gospel. And he got up, and he challenged the entire room. He challenged us. And he said, you know, it was spring break, so most people were getting ready to go back home after being snowbirds. And he said, you be the biggest cheerleaders in your churches for whatever they're doing to reach people for Christ. He said, whatever you can do to get on board, to rally support, if it means changing styles, if it means changing music, if it means thinking outside the box, you go back because people have invested into you. Now you help invest into others. Now, of course, he's got way more gravitas at this point than I'll ever have. But it was so impactful to be a 17-year-old and hearing my grandpa to his dying day, passionate about reaching people for Christ. It's the most important thing we can be about, to be about the mission. Friends, there's an elephant in the church today. Well, I probably should say a car in the sanctuary. Are we going to be so focused on ourselves that we forget about the world that desperately needs to hear about Jesus? You know, the church is only a generation or two away from dying out at any time. So are you content to let that happen? Or are you willing to shift your mindset? Are you willing to let God keep growing you and to transform you so that you can sacrifice, so that others can be in heaven with you one day? Our mission at Calvary is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about. And so I've got three questions to leave you with. I would challenge you to think about these seriously. Not just in the car on the way home, but spend some serious time considering these questions. Number one, are you growing or are you just coasting? Are you growing in your faith? Well then number two, what step of faith are you going to take next? How are you going to step up and serve? How are you going to invest and invite? Who are you going to build a relationship with? What step of faith are you going to take next? And then number three, what are you willing to sacrifice in order for more people to meet Jesus? 
which of your wants and desires and preferences and things that you would like to see, what are you willing to sacrifice in order for more people to meet Jesus?